This message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Pastor Kevin Queen delivers this teaching entitled Spiritual Intimacy. This is the first message in the series, Real Mature. We hope this serves you well. Please enjoy. Welcome to 12 Stone and week one of our brand new series, Real Mature, where we're talking about growth and we're talking about development and we're going after the main question, the big idea that we're driving after is how do we grow spiritually mature? Now, as we've been kicking around this series, I came across a book called Peak. It's by uh, Anders Ericsson and he is, uh, he's an academic researcher out of Florida State. It immediately got my attention because I had no idea that they did academic research at Florida State, but um, he... Uh, <laughs> He, he's, he's, he's known as the great expert on what makes experts great. He's the guy who undercovered the 10,000-hour rule that Malcolm Gladwell uh, popularized. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's done some fascinating research. It's a great book on, on how to grow and mature and develop in, uh, in whatever arena you're in. But, but, but through looking at that field of study, I came across some other scientific research, that, uh, some data that, comes, that, comes, that points to uh, where we are, where we peak in certain areas of our life, what ages we peak in certain areas of our life. And I thought in honor of final exam season, that it would be fun for us to do a little pop quiz. And so here's the way I want to do it. I want to put a question up on the screen, and then I want you to tell the person next to you uh, what you think the answer is. Not that that's what we do in final exams, but, but just, just to kind of have fun, have fun with this. And, uh, and I want to see uh, your best guess at what the answer would be. So for example, here's number one. First question. When do you peak in your ability to learn a new language? At what age do you peak in your ability to learn a new language? Tell the person next to you, what's your best guess? Survey says, seven years old, seven <laughs> years old. That's when we peak. All right, second question. At what age do you peak in your chances of making a Nobel Prize winning discovery? When do you peak in your chances of making a Nobel Prize winning discovery? Person next to you, tell them, answer is, 40, 40, so uh, I got a couple months to come up with something really amazing. That's right. All right, number three. When do you peak in your ability to remember faces? What's your best guess? Tell the person next to you. What age do you peak? Survey says it's at 32. At 32 is when you peak. Second question, next question is like it. Number four, when do you peak in your ability to remember names? What do you think? Best guess. And the answer is 22. Now you got an excuse, right? All right. When do you peak in understanding people's emotions? So emotional intelligence, at what age do you peak in that? Tell the person next to you. And here's the answer. It is 51. 51's when you peak in understanding people's emotions. All right. Number six. When do you peak in your ability to run a marathon? At what age do you peak in your ability to run a marathon? Answer is 28. Aren't you glad that's behind you, right? That's just in the past, right? There's no reason to. No. Number seven, when do you peak in your vocabulary? At what age do you peak in your vocabulary? Tell the person next to you, what do you think? Here's the answer. It's 71. <laughs> 71. So you got time. Some of you have time. All right, number eight, when do you peak in happiness with your body? All right, discuss this. Talk about this. Have a lengthy conversation that's uncomfortable, right? What age do you peak in happiness with your body? The answer is 
74. 74. Now, that, that last one got my attention, right? I'm like, so the reality is that the majority of us live unsatisfied or we live unhappy with our bodies until we're in our mid-70s. And I was thinking, why is that? And here's what I think. I think because at that point, we realize that the outer you is temporary and the inner you is eternal. And this, this big idea is one that the Apostle Paul is delivering in 2 Corinthians. Let me show you a scripture. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, he says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. What Paul is saying, he's saying outwardly, physically, is going downhill fast. I mean, we're on the slide going downhill. If there's any doubt about that, just look at the person next to you. And if they're under 25, say, it's coming, baby, it's coming, right? Because the reality and what we get and what we know is that we are all on a downhill slide physically, outwardly, we're wasting away. We ache, we make noises when we get up. We lose hair and it shows up places we don't want it. Like what in the world? There's a hair relocation program going on in our bodies. And it begins to sag and, and wrinkle. And we look down and we're like, I have my parents' hands. I mean, there's just, it doesn't matter what you do. It's a reality. Outwardly, we're wasting away. You can nip it. You can tuck it. You can Botox it. You can liposuction it. You can crossfit it. You can dress it up. It doesn't matter what you do. We, we can't stop the downward slide. That's what Paul's saying. Is that physically, we're dying. And that's just a real encouraging message for you today. He said, physically, we're on this downhill slide, but inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. Here's what he's saying. He said, outwardly, we're wasting away. Physically, we're dying, but inwardly, we're coming more and more alive every single day. The word renewed, it means to mature. He's saying, inwardly, spiritually, we are maturing. We are growing every single day. Listen, outward (laughs) decline we don't have an option. We can try to postpone. We don't have an option. I mean, aging, we don't have a, birthdays. No, you might lie, and some of you do. You lie on your driver's license, and you need to confess, get right with God. But, but there is, you can't stop that process. You don't have a choice in that. But in spiritual maturity, you have a choice. It's a choice that you make. And here's the good news. You don't have to peak. You never have to peak in spiritual maturity. Now, granted, some of us in the room today, maybe you did, maybe you have. Maybe when you look back over the timeline of your life, there was a point in time where you were closer to God than you are right now. Maybe there was a time when you were walking more with him. Maybe there was a time when you heard more of his voice. Maybe there was a time when you prayed more, when you sought him more, when you sensed his presence. Maybe there was a time when you were, when you were walking in obedience. Maybe there was a time when, when, when your prayer life was alive, when you had more joy, and you had more purpose, you had more meaning, you had more significance. Maybe there was a time where you were more alive and more mature spiritually than you are right now. But the reality is it doesn't have to be like that. And if, if you've peaked in the past, it's not because of God. See, because of the cross, because of what Jesus did on the cross, you can be as spiritual as you want to be. You can be as close to God as you want to be. And the cross kicks open the door and kicks open the door and rends open heaven. And God says, you can, you can know me as much as you want to. The invitation of heaven, the invitation of God is for you to, to know him, to have a relationship, to grow in spiritual maturity. And that's what we're talking about in the series. But, but what is spiritual maturity? 
Now, if you want the overview of the talk, um, or the whole of the talk, you need to go online and listen in to PK's teaching. From about a month ago, he gave a talk, a month and a half ago, he gave a talk called What's On My Mind. It's a great teaching, and he talked about spiritual maturity, spent a lot of time. I want to give kind of a thumbnail sketch just to catch us up, to give context for this series. But in that, in that teaching, and you go online, you can go to 12stone.com slash watch, and you can watch uh, past messages. But in that, in that series, or in that teaching, PK gave kind of this continuum of spiritual maturity. He put zero at the point where this is a person who has zero interest in the things of God, a person that's unaware of the things of God, a person that's, that's maybe not, not even seeking God. It's, it's spiritual, spiritual things aren't even on the radar. But then there comes a point, which we'll call it 10, and that's what he, he said, 10 would be salvation. It would be the point where a person places their faith in God, where a person begins a personal relationship with God. So 10 would be salvation. And this actually does not end. This would be, um, this we'll just call 20, and it goes on and on and on and continue to progress in growth. And so there's this spiritual maturity from a person who has zero interest in God to a person who's walking with God in a relationship with him. And every single one of us is at a different place on this continuum. Every, every single one of us comes through the doors at a different place. And God meets us where we're at. You walk through the doors. You're somewhere on that scale. And, uh, and, and just to kind of illustrate this, I want to share a couple of stories of baptisms that happened last week at the Hamilton Mill campus. The first one was the Hayes family. And the Hayes family walked through the doors at about a seven or an eight, and they walked through the doors last August. Came through the doors familiar, somewhat familiar with the things of God, but just exploring, trying to seek, learn more. And they sat through many different messages and many different series and came each weekend. And then at Easter, this past Easter, they walked across the platform and received Christ as a family. They came down and met with the pastors and with some of the leaders in the past and some of the smaller leaders. They said, so well, what, which one of you is making a decision today? And they said, we all are. So the entire family came to Jesus. That's a very good day. I mean, you read through the book of Acts and when you read the book of Acts, it talks about entire households being saved. That is a very New Testament thing, an entire household being saved. And then on Mother's Day last weekend, all four were baptized. Now, not baptized together at the same time. They were baptized individually. Each one of them going public with their faith. That had to be the best Mother's Day gift for Selena, for her entire family to be baptized, to go public in their faith. I think about another baptism that happened uh, last week. It was uh, Andrew Barrett. And Andrew told me his story. He said, um, Easter was the first time I walked through the doors at 12 Stone. He said, for 31 years, I've been an unbeliever. And uh, he said, I've been to church a handful of times, and I decided I would go with, to my wife to, with my wife to appease her on Easter. And I came into the service, and I sat in the service, and God just grabbed hold of my attention. Maybe he came through the doors at like a one or a two. But then he said, something just clicked, and I realized Jesus was what I needed in my life. He said, and so I walked across the platform, I put my faith in Jesus, and then on Mother's Day, his wife got like the best Mother's Day gift. Her husband was baptized, and he went public with his faith. And so, so what I want you to see from their stories is that we all come into this, this gathering. We all come into each service at a different place, and God meets us where we're at. And when someone takes the step of salvation, when someone receives Christ, when someone goes to 10 on that scale, that is a grace. It's not because they've earned it. It's not because they've come to church enough. It's not because they've done certain things. It's because of what Christ has done for them. 
Let me show you a scripture, a great scripture that speaks to this. Ephesians chapter two, Paul writes, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. What what Paul is saying is that salvation isn't something you earn. Salvation is a grace. It's a gift of God. It's something that you receive. And so once you, once you see, when, when we're looking at salvation, it's not something that, that you do to earn it. It's based on what Christ has done for you. You receive it as a gift of God. But then if you want to continue to progress and continue to grow, that's also a grace. And you, you, you don't earn that, but it does require effort. If you want to grow in your faith, it does require effort. You see, earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. And if you want to grow in your faith, it requires that you put effort toward your faith. It's still a grace. It's still a gift. It's it's God going before you and God giving to you. But you have to put forth effort to grow in maturity, to grow in that relationship. And so that week when PK gave that great teaching, he he laid out uh, three markers of spiritual maturity. I want to give them to you there in your notes. The first one is spiritual intimacy. The second is biblical knowledge. And the third is holy obedience, spiritual intimacy, biblical knowledge, and holy obedience. And when he taught these, he said, look, they're all integrated, all three of them together. It's not like you can just say, okay, I just want to just have one. No, it requires that we pursue all three. But for the sake of the series, we're going to kind of pull these apart, and we're going to talk about one each week. And tonight, today, we're going we're to talk about spiritual intimacy. Spiritual intimacy, what, what is that? As a, as a mark of maturity, what, what does spiritual intimacy mean? Now, when you hear spiritual intimacy, I want you to think about relationship. I want, you to, I want you to think about that word. I want that word to be at the center of your thinking because God desires a relationship with you. God, God wants, he wants a relationship. He, spiritual intimacy, it's not, about, it's not about religion. It's not about rituals. It's not about uh, following rules. It's about a life-giving, flourishing relationship with the living God. That's what God desires for you. That's what he wants from you. It's not about knowing facts and figures about God. It's about knowing him personally. And that's what God wants most. That's what Jesus prayed for. In John chapter 17, Jesus prayed this. He said, I have come that they would have eternal life, that they would know you, the only true God, and know your son who you've sent. The reason Jesus came is that you would know him. He wants you to know him in a relationship. And so if you want to, if you want to grow in spiritual intimacy, there are three foundational truths that you have to let your heart grab hold of. You got to, got to begin to think about and got to begin to build upon. This is a foundational truth, the very first one. It might seem kind of obvious and we can kind of, you might think, well, I can skip right by that, but it's, it's important to build upon. If you're taking notes, you can write down the first one is that God is a person. God is a person. Now, Christianity teaches that God is triune, that he is one being existing in three, eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mystery of the Trinity. But the truth is that God is a person, that God, here's what I mean by God is a person. He has a personality. He has a personhood that he can be known, that God has a consistency of who he is. And because God is a person, he has thoughts and he has feelings. He desires, he enjoys, he suffers, he, lo- he loves, he, he gives mercy and kindness. Here's, he's not an abstract object or an abstract idea or a doctrine. He is a person. And because God is a person, he has a personality and he's relational. 
And we were made by him and we were made for him to have a relationship with him. And because God is a person, he can be known. And not just that he can be known, if you're taking notes, number two, God wants to be known. God wants to be known. He wants you to know him. That's his desire. He wants you to experience life with him. He wants to reveal his heart for you. He wants to reveal his thoughts of you. He wants to reveal his dreams, his desires for your life. God wants you to know those things. He wants you to know who he is. And it should blow our mind, I mean, absolutely blow our mind, that the maker of the entire universe, the one who flung the stars into space, that he knows us by name and he desires for us to know him and have a relationship with him personally. And it's that God who says, if you seek me, you will find me when you seek with all your heart. Guys, God makes a promise and he keeps all of his promises. He said, if you'll just seek me, I'll reveal myself to you. See, God, um, God is not hiding himself from you. He's hiding himself for you. Here's, here's what I mean. When my kids were little and I would play hide and go seek with them and I would hide from them, I didn't go up in the attic and hide up in the attic where they couldn't reach the little pull string and hide up there just to frustrate them, like just to make them go crazy. I didn't do that. I hid places where they could find me. Why? Because as a father, I wanted them to know the joy of discovery. God wants you to know the joy of discovering him. He's not hiding himself from you. He's hiding himself for you. Let's take it one step further. Uh, this year, I got to experience something, be a part of something I've never done before, and it was a sacred responsibility. It's the sacred responsibility of hiding the Easter eggs in our family. Now, I've got my, at my in-law's house, they do a big Easter egg hunt. They were 400-something uh, Easter eggs. They've got 18 grandkids, 13 and under. I, let me, I put a number down just so I would get it right. They are over $250 in cash prizes in the Easter eggs. Candy and cash can't go wrong. It's kind of like a little lottery for kids. I mean, that's really what it was. But, but they hide the Easter eggs and they do it every single year. The kids go crazy trying to find those Easter eggs. And they asked me this year, they were like, will you help us hide them? And so I got to be out there with a couple dozen Easter eggs, baskets, and I'm going through, I'm trying to hide these eggs. And I would like try to color coordinate the egg with the surroundings to try to camouflage and hide that thing where where nobody can find it. And I'm going through, and I got the green egg in the bush. I mean, it was exactly the right color. And I'm, I'm just going through, and I'm, I'm hiding in places where little, little three-year-olds are going to have to army crawl to get up under the house to find them. Now, and then I was like, I'm a horrible dad. It's like the point of this is not to hide these things from the kids. It's to hide these things for the kids. And you've got a perfect heavenly father. And he's not hiding himself from you. He's hiding himself for you. Now, you might have to get down on your knees to find him. But he's hiding himself for you. He desires to be known. And the one thing he can't make you do is seek him. Nobody else can make you do that. It's something that has to come from within here. But if you will seek him, you will find him if you'll seek with all your heart. God desires to be known. He wants to be known. And then number three, knowing requires deliberate effort and time. Knowing requires deliberate effort and time. If you want to grow in spiritual intimacy, if you want to grow in relationship with God, it's going to require deliberate effort and time. It's the same with all relationships. Deliberate effort and time. See, Maybe helpful to think about the stages of relationships, and, uh, and, and we can kind of parallel this with, uh, with another relationship, with a relationship in my life and my relationship with my wife. Um, there is an introduction, there's an invitation, and then there's growth. 
Introduction. There was a moment where I was introduced to my wife. It was 1991. It was at the movie theater in Lawrenceville. It used to be the dollar theaters in Lawrenceville. I was in eighth grade and a mutual friend introduced us. Now my wife is an identical twin. I thought those are two very pretty girls. And I was attracted, I was for some reason drawn to the one on the right. And I was, I wanna get to know her. And so this friend introduced her. And I don't remember what she was wearing. I remember what I was wearing. I was wearing overalls with one strap hanging down, public enemy shirt, Nike Air Force Ones. <laughs> and I had lines in the side of my hair. I, that's a, it was a season. It was a phase. She was not smitten. I was. And we got into high school and I was, I, I was pursuing her and I asked if she would go out with me. We didn't have a car. We didn't have anywhere to go anywhere. But I asked if she would go out. She said yes. And so we went out for a couple months and then she broke up with me. And broke my heart. And, uh, and she said, I just want to be friends. And I, I'm thinking, I'm going to be the best friend you ever had. <laughs> and so we just developed a great friendship through high school. We got into college. We began to date. And we dated all through college. And in 2000, um, we stood at the altar and said, I do. And that was the invitation. The invitation was to take the relationship to the next level, to make the, the 100% commitment to one another and to, to continue our relationship. And and it's, it's been amazing. I would say right now, we're the strongest that we've ever been. We've had ups and downs. We've had hard times, challenging times. Here we are, four kids later, 17 years later. And, uh, and I'd say our relationship is the best it's ever been. And by the grace of God, I want to continue to grow. But one of my favorite pictures from, of this and from this year, back in the Instagram feed, would be, uh, would be back a couple months ago when, uh, when I ran a marathon. Uh, for some reason, at the beginning of 2017, I kind of set out as a goal for the years I wanted to run a marathon. Um, it's 26.2 miles. That was, that was stupid. That was, that was a stupid goal. Um, run like a 5K or something, Kevin. But I, uh, I set out to run that goal. This is a picture of uh, up in Charlottesville, Virginia. We went up, and I ran the marathon, and she came with me. And, uh, and up there, we, um, you know, she wore her workout gear to, to watch me run, and uh, and like there were a couple places in the, in the race where she would like find out where I was going to be and she would be there and she'd be cheering me on. And when she was cheering me on, I was feeling like Rocky, man. I was just going. And that slowed down a little bit. And then she'd be in another place and she'd cheer me on. And, and then at, uh, at mile 19, um, she was waiting for me. And, uh, and she started running with me. Because see, she had run a marathon before and she knew I was going to hit the wall. And I had two goals in that race. The two goals were don't walk and don't die. <laughs> and, um, and if she hadn't run with me, I don't know that I would not have uh, kept running and not walked. But, but she ran with me. And she cheered me on. And uh, uh, so I didn't walk. I thought about dying. I did. I thought about dying a lot. I did. <laughs> but, uh, but I didn't walk. And I just thought, what a picture. And that was one of just those, I thought, what a picture of our relationship, where a lot of times in relationships, it's just uh, left foot, right foot, breathe. You just, you know, you just kind of keep going. But, but if you're training for a marathon, it requires deliberate time, deliberate effort and time. I mean, that's the only way to train for a marathon. That's the only way to grow a relationship, deliberate effort and time. And it's, it's fascinating when you think about it. When we, stood at, when we stood at the altar and said, I, did, I do, we had no idea about the four kids later. We had no idea about the 17 years. We had no idea about the marathon when we said, I do. And when we, stood, you know, when, we, when we stood at that movie theater in 1991, we had no idea about the altar. But it was continuing to grow in the relationship. 
Have you ever been in a relationship with someone and wanted to take it next level? I mean, maybe it's been, um, maybe it's with a parent or maybe with a child. And where, where, where things, where they're at is not where you dreamed they would be. And, or maybe it's not where it once was. Maybe things have kind of become cool and distant and kind of, maybe things are respectful, but there's not, not the closeness, not the connection that there used to be. I mean, maybe, maybe even in your marriage right now, like, like things are kind of transactional. They're more business than, than relationship. And, uh, and, and you want to take it next level, but, but, but you can't force someone else to take it next level. You can't make somebody else take it next level. Have you ever thought that that's how God feels about you? Like, he wants it to go next level, but he can't force it. It's got, it's got to be a choice. But scripture teaches that his heart is that the relationship would be restored and the relationship would grow. He's like a father whose, whose son or daughter, Luke 15 tells us a father whose son or daughter has lost their way and they've wandered off and that he, he longs for them to return and he peers out over the horizon and he, he sees them coming and he goes and he greets them and he welcomes them. He says, my son who is dead is now alive, is lost, is now found. That the heart of the father is for the relationship to be restored, for you to be at home with him. That's what his heart is like. God wants to take that relationship to the next level, but he can't force it. It has to be a choice. And his invitation is for you to have a relationship. Turn with me to Matthew chapter nine. In the Worship Center Bible, it's gonna be page 973, Matthew chapter nine. And I want us to look at, at a verse together. And this, this verse is a picture of something that happens over and over and over throughout the gospels. It's a picture of Jesus extending an invitation to a disciple, of Jesus calling someone to do something, and he gives them two words, is the invitation, where he says, follow me. He doesn't say, follow these rules. He doesn't say, follow these practices. He says, follow me, because it's a relational phrase. It's all about the relationship. He says, I want you to come and, and begin to experience life with me. I want you to be close to me. I want you to leave your old life behind and follow me. I want, to, I want to renew you so you can be who I've created you to be. I want a relationship. Matthew chapter nine, verse nine. And as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Now, Matthew was a tax collector. He was despised in that culture. And Jesus gave him a two-word invitation. He said, follow me. And Matthew got up and left everything and followed Jesus. Now, I want you to think about something with me. The invitation that Matthew received was follow me. No doubt Matthew probably knew about Jesus, but, and he probably heard of Jesus, this, this rabbi, and but when Jesus gave the invitation, he made it personal. And Matthew responded, he began to follow and gave three years of his life to walk with Jesus, to experience life. And think about it, when Matthew, when Matthew, Matthew said yes to the follow me, he had no idea that he would get to see the miracles firsthand. He had no idea that he would get to hear the greatest teaching that the world had ever heard. He had no idea that he would be able to be a part of this core group that would start the movement called the church that 2,000 years later has spread throughout the world. He had no idea that he would get to write a book in one of the, in the best-selling books of all time, the one you're holding in your hands, the book called Matthew. He's the author. He had no idea that we would still name our children after him. He had no idea all of that when he said yes to follow me. 
You never know what's on the other side of the yes to the invitation. But after the invitation, it was deliberate effort and time that produced the growth that made him a world changer. It's deliberate effort and time. If you want to grow in a relationship, it's deliberate effort and time. Every time. I, um, I have people ask me sometimes, and I tell them, you know, our, my relationship with Ree is best that it's ever been, and really this past two years, it's been just exponential growth. And they say, how have you guys grown so much in two years? Like, what's been the difference? And I said, well, um, the first thing, um, about two years ago, I realized that I should listen to her more. <laughs> maybe it's because I'm a preacher, maybe it's because I do a lot of talking, maybe it's because um, I'm a communicator, but, um, but about two years ago, um, I realized I need to listen to her more because she, she knows me the best and she loves me the most. And she has really good things to say. I put it this way. Two years ago, I dignified her voice in my life. And she began to speak into my life with inspiration and encouragement in a way that just, that, that marked me and began to change me. And the more I listened to her and affirmed her in speaking that truth and encouragement and affirmation in my life, the more it empowered her to continue. And now she's like my biggest encourager and God uses her to speak truth into my life. But it was dignifying her voice that made the difference. Um, and maybe it was pride that was holding me back. Maybe it was pride. But, but the relationship changed. The second thing that changed in the relationship, um, it goes back, we were on an anniversary trip and we were sitting out this cafe, we were sitting out this open area and, um, and I had this list of 100 reflection questions that like you're supposed to do personally and then I pulled that list and we started asking those questions to one another. And we're asking the questions and they're questions like, uh, what's the biggest thing you've learned uh, in your life to date? What's the most important challenge you're facing right now? What's your greatest fear? We may have gone through like 100 of those questions and then it, it, and as we were moving through those questions, I realized that, you know what? We've been in the relationship so long, I forgot. I forgot that there is so much that I don't know about her. And I'd kind of fallen asleep in my familiarity with her. I mean, we've been in the relationship together um, beyond over half of our lives. We've been in a relationship together. And I thought, you know what? I know her, I know her, I know her. And familiarity kind of put that to sleep, that discovery. And, and so... Um, Things change then. Where I, I realize I want to ask questions. I want to get to know her dreams and I want to get to know her desires and I want to get to know what's in her heart. And it changed our relationship. But, but the reason I tell you that is because the same thing is true in your relationship with God. If you want to grow in your relationship with God, first thing, you got to dignify his voice. To elevate the priority of his voice. And the primary way God speaks to us is through his word. And so if you really want to grow in spiritual maturity, if you want to grow in spiritual intimacy, then, then dignify his voice. And you're like, here's what I mean. It's carving out some time and spending time in his word. Deliberate effort and time in his word. And God will speak to you. Remember, he said, if you seek me, you'll find me when you seek with all your heart. And if you're seeking with all your heart, see, you tend to make time for things that are valuable. And if it's really valuable for, it, for you, I mean, I could hang out with you for 24 hours and know what matters to you. If it's, if it's really important to you, you just, when things are important, make time. And I'm not talking about spending hours and hours. I'm just talking 15, 20 minutes, 10 minutes with God. 
and spending that time reading through. If you want to read through the Psalms, find Psalms. Read till you find something that just speaks to your heart and take that verse with you. Read through the book of Matthew and, and discover through Jesus who God is. We, my wife and I, she, read, she does something called She Reads Truth and I read something called He Reads Truth and they have reading for both of us each day and, and we read it separately and sometimes we make it part of our conversation. But I put the, I put the, the URLs down at the bottom of the uh, bulletin so you can take that home with you. But, but find what works for you as far as spending that um, deliberate effort and time to dignify his voice. And then the second thing I would say um, is, uh, is sacred curiosity. It's realizing there's so much about God that we don't know. And sometimes we can become inoculated where we have just enough. Just enough of God where we think, oh, we know God. No. It's like a medicine dropper in the ocean. What we know about God is so small compared to how big he is. And God says, I want you to know me. And it's just, it's, it's saying, God, would you make me more curious about who you are? I want to know you more. Maybe familiarity has created this barrier and God's saying, I want you to break through. I want you to pursue me. I want you to seek me again. Not just to know things about me, but to know me personally. He's not hiding from you. He's hiding for you. Let's go back over to the whiteboard. We're all at different places in this. Some, some in this room are at the introduction. If you're honest, you're at the introduction. And that's, that's okay. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're showing up. But you're seeking out the claims of Christ. You're find, trying to discover who he is. And you're, and you're finding out more and more and more. Stay in it. Keep pursuing. Some, you're at this invitation stage. Where, where you've, you've, you've learned and you've discovered. But you're at this point and Jesus is saying, follow me. But you've you got, you got just this uncertainty. And I want to go back to my relationship with Reed. We stood at the altar together. And when we stood at the altar together, I knew that was a very good decision. I mean, she's beautiful. She loved Jesus. She loved me. That's a great decision. If I can find somebody that loves me, that is a great decision. But there was still, if I'm honest, there was still 90, it was, it was like I was only 95% certain that I, that was the decision. There was still 5% uncertainty. Like, oh no, is this, is this what I'm supposed to do? But, but when I was at the altar, um, even though there was 95% certainty, 5% uncertainty, I didn't make 95% commitment. I didn't say, they said, well, you take these vows. I said, I'm 95% committed. No, see, I made 100% commitment without 100% certainty. And some of you are waiting for 100% certainty. And tell me what area of life we have 100% certainty in. I mean, we get on 85 every single day without 100% certainty. We make 100% commitment with 23% certainty. We don't even know if there's going to be a bridge, man. So there, there's, commitment, there's commitment without certainty. We go eat at a restaurant. We don't have 100% certainty that the chef washed his hands. I mean, we don't. We see the sign in the bathroom, but man, we, it requires faith. And some of you are like, I'm eating at home today. But there's, there's 100% commitment. And it, listen, if you're waiting for 100% certainty to make 100% commitment, you'll never do anything that matters in life. You'll never make a friendship. You'll never pick a college. You'll never get married. You'll never have children. There are no areas of life where we have 100% certainty. We only have a measure of, of certainty, but then we make 100% commitment to have a life worth living. That's where faith comes in. And where Jesus invites us to himself, he said, I want you to follow me. I want you to take that next step of faith in the relationship. That's his invitation to you. And then once you take that first step to continue to grow and trusting him and knowing him and being one with him. And so before I turn over the campus pastors, 
I want you to think about where you're at. Are you an introduction? Are you getting to know him? Find out more about who he is? Or, or is today the day of invitation? Or you need to say, yes, I'll follow you. It's time. Or maybe, maybe you've been um, at the follow me for a long time and you said yes, but it's time for you to put some effort, deliberate effort, and time into the relationship so it'll grow. Let me pray for you. Would you bow your heads? So Father, we, uh, we thank you for your great love for us. And I pray that even now, God, that you would give us an awareness of, of where we're at with you. That would be your kindness to, to open up the eyes of our hearts so that we could be honest with you and honest with ourselves about where we're at. And I wanna pray for three groups of people. And I wanna do that by the show of hands and with heads bowed and eyes closed. It's between you and God, not you and the people next to you. There are some in this room where you're at a place of introduction. And I wanna, I wanna encourage you and commend you and say, it is a good thing that you're here, that you're seeking. But if you're in that seeking stage and, and you're just wanting to find out more, um, if you say, yeah, will you pray for me in that? I'm trying to find significance. I'm trying to find meaning. I'm trying to find purpose. I'm trying to find love that my heart longs for. I want to know more about God. Would you just pray for me? If that's you, would you lift up your hand? I do want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to, yeah, this is between you and God. You're saying, God, I need that. So, Father, I pray for those who have lifted up their hands. It, it takes courage for them to be here. It takes courage for them to take the next step. It takes courage for them to even say, would you pray for me? And God, while there may be all kind of resistance in their mind and in their heart, Lord, I pray that you would give them truth. I pray that you would give them, them truth and I pray that you would reveal yourself to them. I pray that, that God, things would begin to make sense to their soul and I pray that they would find that you are the answer to their longings of their heart and I pray that they would meet your love, that they would encounter your love and God, that you would, that you would draw them to know you more and you would give them the faith to take the next step. God, I pray that you would, even this week, reveal yourself more to them. Give them eyes to see how you're at work around them and how you're pursuing them and how you are living and you're active and you're loving in all your ways. And then I wanna pray for the group who would be at the invitation point. Maybe you're here today, but you've never said, follow, you've never said yes to Jesus, follow me. And maybe the, the uncertainty piece has held you back, but you're saying today needs to be my step of faith. I just want to say yes. I want to begin the relationship. I'm not going to hang, hang out and hold back any longer. If that's you and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, I want to pray for you. Would you just lift up your hand? Say, would you pray for me? Yeah. Yep. Yep, I want to pray for you and I want to pray with you. In fact, if you lift up your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer and just whisper this. You can let it be your prayer to God. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. And today I put my faith in you. Best I know how, I want to follow you. I trust in you. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. And thank you for forever life with you. And Father, I pray for those who made that their prayer. I pray that you would, Lord, that you would cause that seed of faith in their heart to continue to grow. And God, I pray that they would, they would see you changing them and transforming them. 
I pray that you would protect what you've done today and that as a church, we would help them grow in their faith and to become fully devoted followers of you. And then I pray for those in the room who you've said yes to Jesus in the past, but you've peaked in your faith and things where they're at right now spiritually are not where you want them to be and you know they're not where God wants them to be, but in his love, he's brought you here today to call you to more. Not to guilt you, not to shame you, but to invite you to a deeper relationship. And if that's your heart, if you say, I wanna grow in this spiritual intimacy, I wanna grow in knowing God, I wanna become the closest to God that I've ever been. If you just lift up your hand, I wanna pray for you. And so, Father, with, with hands up, we just ask, and I pray that you would pour out your spirit on those who have lifted their hand today. Jesus, you said you came so that we would know you. I pray that they would know you and know the power of the resurrection in their life, that they would know your spirit, God, that they would know your speaking voice and that they would follow you fully. God, I pray that you would reveal to them and that you would fill their hearts with your love and that you would satisfy the longings of their heart. Jesus, I pray that you would use this season and you would use this series to grow their affections for you and to reveal, to bring revelation inside of your affections for them. God, I ask that, uh, that in the days ahead that they, would, that they would seek you fully and find you faithful in all of your ways. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 There we go. Um, if, if you made that your prayer today to begin a relationship with Jesus, there's a card attached to your bulletin. On that card, it says, my recent decision for Christ. Please take a moment and fill that out and indicate on there. You can put your information down. Drop that in the offering basket, and we're going to send you an email. Be in touch with you this week to give you and help you with next steps on your faith journey. Uh, also, if you raised your hand in that last group and said, you know, I'm going to grow my faith. Uh, we've given you, um, we've got some tools and some resources that we want to put before you. So if you'll go to 12stone.com slash read this week, you'll find all kind of resources that go along with the series. We've got a 21-day devotional, excited about this, 21-day devotional to take you through the series and to help you each day uh, grow in your faith and grow more mature spiritually. So, uh, so you can go online and find that. Thank you for being here today. Make us a part of your weekend. We'll see you back next week for week two, Real Mature. <laughs>